Hi, welcome to Project Healing, a podcast whose mission is to shed light on true self-care, healing our inner demons, and connecting the world in deeper and more meaningful ways. We all have a story to share, and we're very excited to be a part of helping everyone to share their own along the path of their healing journey. I'm your host, Katherine Galvin, psychic medium and intuitive healer, and with me, I have my co-host. I'm Jenna Korzynski, empathic psychic medium and intuitive soul coach. I believe that we have to feel our pain in order to heal it, and that community is a large part of that process. Speaking our truth and riding the waves of life is how we heal, and we welcome you to do the same. This is Project Healing. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Project Healing. Hey, hey. We have, we have story time today. So Story time. Yeah, originally I was going to do this as a solo cast, but uh, Jenna and I talked about doing it together so that we could have more like questions and and really chat. So what the hell am I talking about? Also, you're going to hear my dog scratching the desk every now and then. She's convinced I have food up here and I can't kick her out because I'm in love with her. Okay, so. (laughs) That's a true story. She's really in love with her. (laughs) It's it's a little unsettling. Um, She's a little spoon most of the time. Don't worry. Okay. So I want to share a little bit of more of my background um, going a little bit farther back than just like how I found out I was psychic and that kind of thing because I think that people need to know that you can come from a place of um, desperation and isolation and like tragedy in a really difficult life and hit this point where people have expressed to me that it's like I had someone say it's like the shit is going on around you and you're just in your peace with it now and yeah the operative word being now so to start I also like probably a good seven or eight years ago I had someone when I was waiting tables someone I was working with say to me what do you have? What have you ever dealt with in your life that was so bad there, Blondie? And I remember being like, wow, that's an interesting perception just because I have a positive attitude that I've never been through anything. And that really blew my mind that someone could have such a narrow minded perspective like that. But this is kind of the beginning of the story, and it's going to go in a couple of different parts and then eventually Jenna will jump in with stories of herself that she wants to share and this is basically I feel like this is like fireside chats which which president was it that did that do you know no Roosevelt I think it was Roosevelt okay. anyway no Catherine's a nerd okay I'm a little nervous today so what I want to start with is the last episode that I went solo on I was talking about my experience with drinking and very very much has been something that has controlled my adulthood in a way that I didn't always realize it was controlling it because even if I wasn't drinking, I would hyperfixate on the fact that I wasn't drinking and wasn't that good. And mm. then was I drinking too much or was this like not enough to keep up with everyone, but now is it too much? And is this an acceptable time to be drinking? Or yeah, I can totally pour half a bottle of wine into like a, a travel mug and take a walk with the kids and my husband because that's normal behavior. And I think too that people really didn't know that it was at that level. 
And I honestly, I had to have like a talk with my mom before even starting to record all of this and just let her know like it was a lot worse than you knew that it was. I know you had suspicions, but it was definitely worse than than I even thought it was. And looking back now, I can see even more so how um, out of control my drinking was becoming. And I know it could have got a lot worse, um, but it, thank God it didn't. So once upon a time... I wanted to get the hell out of town, and I actually joined the Navy. And I don't think a lot of people know that about me. I was only in for about nine months, which in a small town is the perfect amount of time to get pregnant, have a baby, and come back home, right? But um, <laughs> it's not the case. <laughs> so <laughs> I went to the Navy, and I went through boot camp. And honestly, I loved boot camp. It was so simple. I actually gained a lot of weight in boot camp, Navy Boot camp was super easy. They had a dessert cart. Like, it was ridiculous the amount of really. Oh, God, yeah. I'm kind of blown away by this. (laughs) I went into boot camp weighing, I think, 160, which is still a lot. Like, I averaged like 145, 150. So I was about 160. I was always, I was already a little bit over, and I left boot camp at like 170. That is so interesting. Um, How old were you when you were in boot camp? 20. Okay. I was 20, yeah. So I was just a baby. I was just a baby. I went to college and I realized this wasn't for me. I went from um, Oakfield, Alabama High School, graduating class of 67 students, and I went to University at Buffalo, and my first class was a lecture hall with like 400-plus students. And I was sitting in this experience with like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students that were of all different backgrounds, cultural backgrounds. And in my mind, we were all people. And I didn't realize that I wasn't welcome with some of them. I was that dopey, doe-eyed high school graduate from small town, not realizing that there were actually cliques in the world. So I think Looking back now, knowing that I was very empathic and I was in a triggered state of anxiety as well, I think I was very much feeling all of that nervous energy from other people. And then that like, you're not part of us kind of deflected energy as well that I didn't know what to do with. Um, So I moved out of my dorm room very quickly and I showed up at my mom's door like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. All my bags packed, like I brought everything. I had no intention of going back there. And my mom said, what are you doing here? Like, could not believe that I was back there. And I said, I can't do this. I'm moving home. I'm pretty sure I had an an anxiety attack. And I was just like, this is done. Hindsight, again. Um, Yeah. And I kind of, I went to a, a community college and I joined, I started working again just at home and everything. And I ended up getting engaged to my high school boyfriend. I was 19 and I realized this is going too fast. This isn't right. I think from this extreme, by the way, bless his heart, the nicest human being on the face of the planet, the most giving, generous, sweet, kind-hearted human and pre-diagnosed anxiety, not knowing I was psychic me, run that I ran that kid through the ringer. And I still think about that sometimes. I still have guilt dreams over what I did to that Aww. poor guy. He was so sweet. Um, and I just, I, w- I wasn't in my place yet, I suppose. So anyway, I joined the Navy because that was the next feasible step, right? It just made total sense. Like, you're not going to college. You're from a small town. You joined the military. 
And I remember coming home from there and telling my mom I enlisted my um, my ship out date to boot camp is April 20th. And she was like, you've got to be kidding me. She's like, I didn't think you're actually going to go through with it. And she'll tell you to this day that she realized that once I have an idea in my head, it happens on that day. If I say <laughs> it, it is true. That is when she stopped thinking that she could figure out what I was doing. And she will tell you that. So I think that's why she commiserates with my husband. She just gets that, like, what are you doing all the time? <laughs> so <laughs> you don't have to know. I got it. So I, I didn't at the time. So I left for boot camp. It was, I think, nine weeks. I don't remember. I think it was about nine weeks long. Again, it was really chill. It was super easy. I have plenty of stories from that, but that's for another episode, I suppose. And or it's not forever reliving, actually. Um, <laughs> I shipped out. I shipped out. I went from boot camp in Great Lakes, Illinois, about an hour outside of Chicago, I think it is, to Great Lakes boot camp across the street to what they called a hold status, where you would sit and wait to go to school because they had over over-enlisted the amount of people that they needed in that job that I had selected to be doing, which is freaking hysterical because what I was supposed to be doing was working with electronics and technology that's failing. And I have a psychic like that never would have worked for me. <laughs> the joke this is, is with my perfect husband. example though of like the Sick divine the universe. Yeah. Right? <laughs> But it's so funny because I actually have an understanding of electronics that like most housewives just don't have. <laughs> like most common like lay people don't understand electronics to that capacity. And I think it's funny because I am actually very mechanically inclined. But when it comes to fixing technology, I'm out. So <laughs> I was there for another like seven months or, or eight months, something like that. I was on a hold status there. And what that meant was I was 20 years old. I had two roommates. One of them was in like a panic all the time. So add that energy, right? And then I went to, I was 20. I had just turned 20 when I left for boot camp. We weren't allowed to leave base without a buddy because they wanted it to be like a liberty system when you pull into a port. It's very much like how it would be if you're overseas somewhere and you need to leave in a foreign country with a buddy all the time. So that's how they treated it. But we were there for like the better part of a year, right? So that's a lot when you're an adult and you've lived on your own, even if it's for a few months in a dorm, <laughs> you've lived on your own. And then you have these restrictions again. So my anxiety started kicking up because I'm very claustrophobic and not the sense of physical small spaces. But when I feel confined in any kind of like this is the rule, which again, why wouldn't I join the military where you are like stationed on a ship and sent into the water where you have no escape and I'm claustrophobic. That was really a great idea. But I remember I met this guy. This is the point of that. I met this guy and he was absolutely everything I wanted because I was 20 and far from home and how could I not want to be with this perfect man who was nine years older than I was so who was just getting his life together and joining the military at like 20 29 years old so I meet him and we started hanging out right away we started going out into Chicago together we like zero to 60 okay and I didn't realize because it's all we were ever doing on the weekends was drinking and having a good time. And yeah, I was still underage then too, but that's what we were doing. So 
it didn't occur to me that maybe he had a problem. And it didn't occur to me that I was allowed to do very little, but he was allowed to do so much. And I would have people on base come up to me and say, hey, you're dating so-and-so, right? Like, you could do a lot better than that. You know, he's really like, he's kind of a douchebag. Or he's not really a nice guy. And I'd get all these warnings, but they were predominantly from other guys. So I never really paid much attention to it. They were all right. To be fair, one of them was the sweetest, like, 19-year-old. He was from the South. I don't remember where he was from, but he had the cutest drawl. And Jenna, he was a redhead, and you know how I feel about redheads. I love me some redheads. <laughs> don't worry. Ricky's safe. <laughs> so just, <laughs> Oh, I know that. <laughs> I would never come up against you in anything, just so you know. I'm a fetal position. I'm not a fighter. <laughs> I'm not even going to run because yeah. that just sounds too hard. I'm just going to ball up. <laughs> Rock. Protect my vital organs. <laughs> so anyway. The mental image that I have right now is just phenomenal. <laughs> I hope it's as good as the one that I have. Um, so I ended up getting processed out of the Navy for da, 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 anxiety. I was having like dreams that would have me physically backpedaling out of my bed. It was the top bunk. So that wasn't exactly safe. I was constantly, I was having panic attacks at the schoolhouse. I was just, I was overwhelmed and it wasn't okay. And to add to it, the guy that I was seeing was a total narcissistic, mentally abusive, very lost person. I won't say he was a jackass because ultimately, really truly, that guy's heart was really kind. It really was. And I I recognize that and I, I see that now. Actually, some of that I see literally now in this moment that he came from a place of heavy trauma and I saw it as he's doing leaps and bounds better than his family. And that's incredible. And yes, while that was incredible, it wasn't still where I needed to be, right? So I went back to um, small town upstate New York and he stayed in and the phone call slowed down and they eventually stopped and it became, we had broken up and that was just that. Okay, fine. Well, we broke up before. We were back on. We broke up before. We were back on. And then I'm waiting tables back home. And I'm 21 now. And now if he calls me, I answer. If I don't answer, what was I doing? I'm going to get a second phone call, a third phone call. They start like like coming in fast, right? And I finally answer. And I wish someone at that point would have taken my phone and said, this is not effing healthy. Stop. Right. Someone other than my mother, because she did. But you don't listen to your parents because what do they know, right? They're just older and wiser yeah. and they've been around and they just have it in for you. Well, and I think like at that age too, a lot of us go through that. Yeah. And like I remember like I faced stuff like that too and so did all of my friends. So at, at a certain point, like we all thought that was normal behavior. Yeah. Now it's like, ah, but you know. And I, w- I was thinking about that the other day. A lot of TV shows, like you think about, we grew up watching the real world, stuff like that where all the relationships were drama and chaos and terrible. And of course we thought like, oh, they love me because we're fighting and we're throwing things at each other and it's what it is. So anyway, we, we ended up going from not together in January to all of a sudden we were getting married in July. Like, wow, fast. So I had known him for barely a year we were broken up for a lot of it. He was not nice. And now we're in love. So we're going to get married because that's the only way I can move down to 
Virginia with him is if I'm married to him because that's my perception of this at this age and with um, the military paying for everything if we're married. So it just made sense. So and keep in mind, he's almost a decade older than I am. So we moved down there and on the way down, my my mom was she was just not happy about it. She wasn't happy about it. My stepdad wasn't happy about it. And how could you be? Because now I'm moving hundreds of miles away in a bad relationship to this person I'm married to. And I will never forget moving into this apartment. It was record temperatures. It was like 103, 104 out down here. And we were on the third floor. No elevator was outside stairs. It was miserable. Okay. And he, he couldn't, he was running late, like really late, almost like a day late, I feel like. And of course that was my fault. He didn't have a map with him. He didn't bring a GPS. He only had his phone and he didn't have his phone charger and he was making like a 16 hour drive. So all made so much sense. And my mom overheard him cussing me out on the phone, calling me all sorts of names. And she, I remember now I can see it, but then I didn't. She walked away with tears in her eyes. And it's like looking back from like my higher self, I see that all play out. But when I was in the moment, I was just trying to fix it all. I was trying to make that yeah. peace, you know, and and it's um, it's so tragic thinking back now what a horrific experience my first day was living with this person hundreds of miles from home and all my family wanted to do was bring me home with them. And I, I feel so bad that I don't feel bad because what an experience and literally like all of this is how I ultimately met Mike and ultimately how I ended up with my children and in this experience and doing this for people. So it all led to there and I understand that. But we we had a, a bad time from the very beginning, obviously, and I was finally seeing it. So he would just like demolish drink after drink after drink. And I remember like I had just turned 21, right? I can remember going out to dinner with him and his friends and going to order a drink and it was his night to drink, but he left his ID at home. So they wouldn't let him drink because also he was the oldest one with us, but everyone else was get carded age. So of course they were going to card him too. He got carded, didn't have it. They wouldn't let him drink. And I ordered a drink instead. And he's like, you're such an alcoholic. I can't believe you have to have this drink just because I don't have one. I'm thinking like, I I just turned 21. Of course I'm going to have a drink. I want to try like everything. And I didn't right. really drink that much before I turned 21. I am really a rule follower, just so you all know. Um, Yes, I did drink, but I was never the party girl until I was older. So anyway, because hmm. I feel like I'm beating around the bush with this too, but it was just instantly like the accusation started. And then it was like his phone would be locked, but he had to have the passwords to mine. Um. He would constantly look over my shoulder for everything. He would come in while I was in the shower and take my phone and go through it. Um, And I had nothing to hide. Nothing. Um, We would be driving and he would be cussing me out. Uh, There's this one interpass. Underpass? Underpass. Interpass. What is an interpass? There's this one underpass that I go through every time I head toward base, which isn't very often anymore, thank God. But I can still hear him calling me a dried up prude X, Y, and Z because I merge lanes without using my turn signal or something like that. I remember leaving him in a parking lot in Walmart and him chasing my car down, screaming for me to let him back in the car because I had kicked him out because I didn't feel safe. And did I let him back in? Yep. Because don't we always let them back in? Yeah. It was just, it was so bad. And the whole thing boiled down to, you guys are going to really hate us for this um, split because we're coming up on time here. And (laughs) 
it's gonna be a cliffhanger. I'm like <laughs> dun, trying dun, dun. to calculate how can I be maniacal <laughs> here. So it it boiled down to um, we were not in a good place, but he was so controlling. Literally, he had, and I think about this now. He drove this old ass car, and the brakes were terrible on it, and he wouldn't get them fixed. But he would drive my car. I had no, I didn't have the keys to his car. I didn't have the keys to the apartment if he had my keys to the car, so I couldn't go anywhere. And I was stuck at home with no one I knew except for the girl in the apartment down the hall who was married to another guy on his ship. And that was the extent. And then I had Otis. I had my dog Otis. That's all that I had. And it's so hindsight, he kept me isolated. Yeah, He would follow me around the apartment while I was on the phone with um, my aunt. So shout out, girlfriend, if you ever <clears throat> listen. Um, no, so he, I would turn around and I remember I was on the phone on our balcony and we were on the third floor again. And I turn around because I was telling her how he was acting and how I didn't like it. And I was being very quiet and I turn and he is sitting cross-legged right up against the glass staring at me. And it just like every fiber of my being was cold. Like it just, it was so bad. Yeah. And it just felt like I had no way out. I had no way out. So the good thing is that he would periodically go underway, which for those of you who don't know, means that he would be on the ship and off of shore for like two to three weeks at a time, a month here, a month there. Well, this whole ordeal went from July when or August when we moved down here until... I moved back in December. So we had like we were we were quote good through August and then at the end of September is when it got physical. And then he left for a couple of weeks and then he came back and then he left again. And when he left again is when I made my move to leave. Um right before like the day before he got back, I packed up and I I drove away and I remember him calling me on my phone and I ended up shutting it off because um, he was blowing up my phone and leaving me voicemail after voicemail and I was just trying to go. I just had to get out of there. And that overwhelming, like when I go back over that in my mind, all I can think is that wasn't even me. Right. We all have those experiences. We look back and we're like, this feels like it was literally another lifetime. Who was I? To I go do have a that? question yeah, for you. Um, while you were going through that, did you paint the picture to everybody else like everything was fine, oh, or yeah. were you were you honest with people about? I mean, you just said you were kind of talking about it with your aunt. But so my aunt was different. She was she's like a, a best friend, and I would tell her. Right. So she knew. She knew. Um, okay. My mom knew that we were arguing. I don't think she knew the extent of it. And I didn't actually tell her that it had gotten physical until I was home for a few months because I didn't want her to worry. I just, the only reason that I ask that is because um, in the beginning you were talking about how somebody had come up to you saying like, what have you been through in life, Blondie, you know? And it made me think of like the mask that we all wear, Mm -hmm. right? Like you really never know what somebody is going through. Do some people let it show more than others? Absolutely. But most of us with very severe trauma, we've learned to put on the smiley face and be the kind, 
open-hearted, free spirit, right? Because that's how we keep that mask on so that nobody asks questions and we don't have to explain what we're going through and relive it. So um, I was curious about when you got to that time, if you were honest with people about it or if you were, you know, kind of hiding it and shoving it down inside of yourself to survive it. The girl who lived um, down the complex hall from me, she was she knew what was going on, too, because when which you'll hear in part two, whenever we record that, um, when she when he did get physical with me, I eventually didn't have a phone after that whole escapade. And I ran down to her place and I Mm. got her attention. So she and her husband knew what was going on, but that didn't necessarily mean that anyone back home knew. So my support system didn't right. know. And there was right. one other girl down here who I have since lost touch with as well, but she she knew and she had just been through a pretty horrendous divorce herself and was I think she was younger than I was actually. And it's it's something that let me tell you too with the military and that's shifted a little supposedly, but I haven't been in that situation again. If I would have called the police on him, and he made this abundantly clear to me the night that it got abusive, he said, physically abusive, he said, if you call the cops, they'll put me in jail. They'll, in Virginia, they take one. They have to take someone if they go to a domestic call. One person is leaving in handcuffs. I don't know if it's like that in New York, but in Virginia, that's what it is. And he's like, if they arrest me, then the Navy will cut my pay. I will be in trouble for that. And if they cut our pay, we can't afford this apartment. And he was right. So I didn't call. Wow. Um, they will, if they, they can put you in like a safety hold where they're not allowed to leave the ship and they force you to stay there. But it's also, it's nothing's ever really guaranteed. And the older I get and the more friends I have with experiences like this in the military, the more I see that it's really just set up to save and cover their own asses and cover the asses of their sailors. Yeah. But what happens will be continued later, Taters. Uh, Yeah, we have a lot to cover. And we will be back, though. Probably next week we'll do another one of these because we're just kind of filling gaps where where we don't have guests with my story and how I got here. All right. Love you all. Thanks for listening. If anyone has any experiences like this or wants to share anything with either one of us, please always feel free to come forward and know that Jenna and I – I hope that you know that we have created a safe space for you guys to share your stories with and to be present and be comfortable and held and that we hold space for you as well. So we will catch you next time on Project Healing.